What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Very Cold Lasagna Podcast, the podcast that has a safe and open listening platform for casual, cold, and even the dumbest takes on the world of WWE, AEW, the NFL, and the wide world of wrestling, of sports in general. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to today's show. Welcome to episode number 24. And the topic we're about to discuss in this episode, I gotta be honest with you, I forgot it was happening uh, this past weekend. I totally forgot. It happens. Um... Even though it does happen, you, I, I gotta be honest, it was total shit. It, I'm just gonna be lay it on the line right there. This, what I'm about to review to you, was total shit. I'm gonna talk about it, discuss it, and tell you what happened, so you don't have to. So you don't have to. So anyway, today we got a good show for you all, because we're gonna be talking about backlash. Not just WWE backlash. WrestleMania backlash, yeah. They didn't have to, like, have an all-regular backlash like they did back in the day, like last year. No, they had to do freaking WrestleMania backlash for whatever the frick reason that they had to. I, I, I gotta be honest. Whoever thought this was a great idea to put WrestleMania in the backlash pay-per-view name, they need to be fired. They seriously need to be fired. Because... If they really want to make Backlash feel like some kind of um, extra WrestleMania of sorts, have some actual like matches with actual storytelling and characters um, and whatnot in them. Because what I saw Sunday night certainly ain't certainly ain't it, Chief. It certainly wasn't it. And I gotta be honest with you. It was game very annoying to hear the announcer say WrestleMania backlash all over again, and it it got on my nerves so much. It really did. But yeah, WrestleMania backlash. Or see, I, now it's getting stuck in my head. It really is getting stuck in my head. I did not enjoy the show. I didn't. I did not enjoy um, this show. It was pretty boring um, to watch it. I. I actually watched it after it was um after it finished because you know I I do actual stuff with my life even though I don't really have much of a life but you know I do um real life stuff I do real life stuff but anyway I do want to say though um before we get into the real meat of the show that the NBA playoffs are starting and. I saw a bit of the play-in tournament that that happened tonight um, at, on Tuesday night when I'm when I'm developing this. Um, the the Boston Celtics just beat the Washington Wizards, um, and now the Wizards have to go to Indiana to face the Pacers, who destroyed the Charlotte Hornets. And again, I don't know why people are hating this idea of the play-in so much. Again, I'm not trying to be a hard-on defender. Of the playing tournament, but again, it creates that interesting dynamic of you know everyone, every team that's six and above trying to avoid the play-in, they and the teams that are desperately trying to get in the playoffs. It creates that intensity. It really creates that intensity, that end-of-season drama, and what we saw tonight. Well, considering all the games were blowouts, but. That was only in the East tomorrow or on Wednesday on ESPN with the West. 
that should be interesting. Those games, all all division, all division game uh, playing games. That's gonna be an interesting bunch, especially with the Warrior and Laker um, playing game. <laughs> that's gonna be interesting. I'm I'm pulling for an upset. I'm pulling for an upset for the Warriors. Um, it's gonna be a long. It's gonna be um, a tough grinding out um, long shot, but. It can. It's a pos- anything's possible. Anything's possible. It's just going to be an interesting, interesting dynamic, um, and I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. But that's my thoughts on the play-in so far. That's my thoughts on the play-in. Um, didn't expect blowouts like the whole way. Um, the first night, and we'll see what happens the second night with the West and well the playoffs are starting and i don't know if i can be too excited to be honest with you because again i haven't really paid too much attention to this nba season um because you know i in recent years i kind of grown more to like the nfl i really have despite you know um i don't know how gone downhill the the quality of play has been but anyway yeah that's pretty much um my little spiel on the play-in. So now, um, before we get into the main topic again, I want to plug the show as always. Before we always begin each episode, so make sure you follow me on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna. Make sure to watch me on the video side of things here on YouTube. Subscribe, turn on the notification bell, do all that fancy fancy stuff so you've been notified of each and every episode that goes up on the on the youtube <laughs> if you want to hear me my beautiful voice on on the road or on a walk make sure to do so on apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor fm so let's get into the topic of today's episode wrestlemania backlash and there i go again talking about this stupid name wrestlemania backlash your wwe backlash 2021 and and as you can tell by the title of this episode, your Raw May 17th, 2021 reviews. Reviews, as in you're getting a two-in-one um, a special in this episode. And you're probably wondering, why am I reviewing Monday Night Raw after everything that I said about the show, how terrible it was, how bad it this show was from the writing the commentators the wrestlers why am i talking about monday night raw why am i reviewing this shit show well we'll get into that in a second we'll get into this review in a second and throughout this um backlash review we're gonna be talking about um monday night raw um some like highlights and stuff because it connects with um it connects with backlash it connects with um, some of these matches that happened on this pay-per-view. So for now, let's get into um, the Very Cold Lasagna review of WWE Backlash 2021. The not-WrestleMania Backlash review. <laughs> so we start off um, the night with a kickoff match between the United States Champion, uh, Sheamus, going up against uh, Ricochet. Uh, Ricochet, nobody gives a shit. So this was the last minute addition to the card. Sheamus was looking for an, uh, another challenger st- willing to step up to um, his open challenge. And, of course, Ricochet came out. Nobody gave a shit. Nobody cared. 
And um, Sheamus won. And they faced off again in a rematch the next night on Monday Night Raw in a non-title match this time. And Sheamus still won. And nobody still cared. So, yeah. Sheamus is still champion. I mean, Sheamus is a, is a is decent. But I just don't care for Ricochet. So then we opened the show. We opened the main show um, with some Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson-esque Seattle She-Hawk action with um, your Raw Women's Champion Rhea Ripley defending her title against Asuka, the former champion, and Charlotte Flair in a triple threat match. And the reason why Charlotte Flair is in this match, correct me if I'm wrong here, is that WWE is trying to tell the story of Charlotte being the opportunity um, and her trying to say that she is robbed of her title match at WrestleMania and she like wants to like be the best out of everyone or whatever spiel she was on and she attacked the referee and Sonya Deville reinstated her if Charlotte apologized and she rewarded her um, with the title match being in the title match at Backlash some I don't know some weird shit like that and I'm just like here thinking and looking at some of these highlights and seeing Charlotte and WWE are full of shit <laughs> some full ass bullshit she ain't no opportunity she's just like there on a silver platter because Ric Flair's daughter so it was very hard for me to care about this match and the whole match itself it was so bad it was so boring and I can give one positive about it Rhea Ripley actually managed to keep her title they actually booked Rhea Ripley to retain the title for now at least so she hit the riptide her finisher on Asuka um Asuka um took Flair out of the equation with like this kick off the apron and Charlotte would once she found out that she lost the match she was just like in in disbelief she was stunned that I can't believe I lost the match oh my god and Rhea Ripley was just like like a freaking uh, um, kindergartner in elementary school. Like, yeah, that's your Raw Women's Champion, Rhea Ripley. And I don't know what it is about Rhea Ripley that I don't like on on her on the main roster. It's just something that always every time I see highlights of her, like I always want to like close YouTube. I, I really do. I don't know if it's her bad promos, like her lack of clarity between if she's a face or if she's a heel, no character. Um, her, I don't want to like get in too deep into you know the the Seattle, you know what? <laughs> but something's gonna really improve with Rhea Ripley. She has to improve. I know she said she is taking acting classes, so that's a start. But hopefully those acting lessons pay off. She needs to improve big time. Or she's just going to be another one of those women um, that's just there on the main roster. And she's going to uh, fall in hard times so if she doesn't improve fast. So then um, we get into the SmackDown Tag Team Championship between Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Uh, going up against Rey Mysterio and Dominic. So, the Vader and Stun duo are trying to become the first um, tag team um, champions. 
So earlier in the night, the Dirty Dogs, as Ziggler and Rude were were named, um, they attacked Dominic backstage, and Ray found him in the trainer's room, and well, Dominic was still kind of hurt to go to go at it, so Ray Mysterio had to go it alone. I gotta admit, for all the um, non-existent build-up that this match had, they told a pretty decent story here. They pretty told a decent story here. I, I don't know. I guess I just like Rey Mysterio that much. So Rey Mysterio managed to fight um, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode for as long as he could. But every time he tried to um, fight them off, Ziggler and Roode were always there to keep him down. And every try- time Rey tried to tag in Dominic, Dominic wasn't there. He was always re- remembered that Dominic's in the locker room, um, you know, hurt. And just as Rey Mysterio was about to lose hope, Dominic, who's still less than 100%, still came out and even the score, even though he's still hurt. And then, slowly but surely, the father and son duo overcame the odds and overcame their um, physical well-being, their um, less than 100% physical well-being. As Rey Mysterio hit the 619 on Rude, tagged in his son, Dominic hit the frog splash on Bobby Rude to win the SmackDown Tag Team titles. That was actually a pretty decent match. Um, and I gotta admit, they had me on edge with this one, despite the the build. Despite the non-existent build. Again, I guess it's because I love Rey Mysterio. And, well, Dominic still needs work. He really still needs work. So, congrats to Rey Mysterio and Dominic on becoming the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Um, we'll, we'll just see what um, they do with it next. Next up, we had... Zombies. Who's to say we're not all zombies? Yeah, we literally had zombies. And this was like the literally the major talking point out of Sunday's pay-per-view. Zombies. I guess the major takeaway from this pay-per-view was not just zombies, but the people reviewing the show. Like like old man Jenkins says, who's not to say we're all zombies? And I guess I can say that who's not to say we're all mindless wrestling reviewing zombies that continually watch the shit even though it's so bad that we we talk about it so much. I don't know. So let's talk about the zombies because I got to give my thoughts on it. Was it stupid? Yeah, it was. It really, really was stupid. Um... Like, when I first saw it, like, in that John Morrison segment, I was like, wait, is this, like, is this going to be part of the Lumberjack match? And then when it was, I was just like, I mean, it literally was laughing at how bad it was. Like, I wasn't, like, super mad, like, why why are you doing this? Like, this is not pro wrestling. Like, what are we doing, you assholes? Like, I wasn't, like that mad i wasn't like uh you know like super casual mad or like super smarky mad at like at this it's just like you know all i could do because this is so bad it's just like laugh at how bad this is that's just my general reaction that's just my general reaction so was it absolutely as horrible or terrible as many people turned out to me well again that depends on 
on like your standards, um, your expectations in pro wrestling. For me, I just want wrestling to be good. And well, this was very bad, but not to the degree that everyone's out to making it to be. Like, why are people getting so worked up with this zombie bullshit? And yes, this was turned out to be a plug for Batista's new movie, Army of the Dead. And by the way, he also did the narration for the intro to Backlash. And it was like the shameless plug, super unnecessary. It's like it could have been done um, without the Army of the Dead stuff. And well, so it could have been this lumberjack match. But I digress. So I don't hate it as much as a lot of people did. And I could tell by like some of the... um, some of the reviews that I've seen, like J Rants and Zoo Bears and TWRPs, um, like their um, watch along. And there's a couple others that I probably didn't name. But it, it was bad. It was really, really bad. But again, I don't hate it as much as everyone else does. It's just laughably bad. Laughably, whatever, how you say it. Laughably bad. So. Aside from that, it just didn't make sense. It really, really didn't make any sense um, for for the wrestlers involved. Like, especially the Jizz, you know, being this Hollywood um, scaredy cat heel in whatever Damien Priest is trying to be as this babyface. Like, he still doesn't have a definable character um, yet on the main roster. So, speaking of the two wrestlers, um, well... They were struggling to get away from the zombies. And Damien Priest, this is the same dude that won the stipulation, that got to pick the stipulation on Monday Night Raw. He picked the Lumberjack match, and yet he he doesn't even have the, the advantage. Nobody has the advantage here. He, like, he didn't even know zombies were going to be the Lumberjacks. Like, dude, that is depressing. You, you were going into this match having the advantage, and yet here you are here you are like struggling to fight the Miz and in a match you picked congratulations Damien Priest you are stupid <laughs> so the Miz and Damien Priest are trying to fight off these zombies and each other um and the zombies abduct John Morrison and Priest hits his finisher he quickly leaves and the Miz gets gang banged by uh, Batista's Army of the Dead so, yeah, this was a terrible match. And apparently The Miz tore his ACL. Um, so for as much as I hate The Jizz, um, like, as a wrestler, I hope he has a speedy recovery. And, like, if that tore ACL is legit, then, damn. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if WWE, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's just a bad, like, injury to have. So, turns out that WWE also did another Lumberjack match with, like, actual wrestlers as the Lumberjacks the next night between Damian Priest and John Morrison, and Damian Priest won. And can can Damian Priest finally move on to something else now that um, he already beat Morrison again for the millionth time and Miz is on the sidelines, um, apparently? Can he move on? Like, just do something else now. Just do something else. So then we had the SmackDown Women's Championship match between Bianca Belair and Bailey, and I don't know. 
I, I was not invested into this at all. And I'm just wondering the whole time, like, for as much as I don't like Sasha Banks, like, I still don't get why WWE's leaving her off TV. Um, when Bailey is getting the title shot at Backlash, like, what's they, what's, what are they doing? What, what's, what is the plan here? Like, Sasha, in her post WrestleMania interview on SmackDown, she's just like, <sighs> and then she just walks off. And then, like, literally the next segment afterwards, Bailey um, claims she's going to be the next in line. She's going to be the one coming after Bianca Belair's title. And a few days later, boom, she gets the matchup backlash instead of Sasha Banks. Like, is that really all it takes to get a title match nowadays? It's depressing. That's disappointing. But wait, there's more. The feud eventually became centered around Bianca Belair's hair. And Bianca told Bailey not to touch her hair. This is your SmackDown Women's Champion that has charisma. That, well, I know some people are going to shit on her for her. You know what? But she has the charisma. She, she well, the EST thing could still be fleshed out. It, I know EST means fastest, strongest, quickest, bestest. Like, I really think it should be fleshed out a little bit more. But... She has potential. She does have potential. I just wish WWE would expand on it more, please. So just like with this one, I, I just mostly didn't care because there's just so little to care about, um, especially with Bianca Belair and Bailey um, having not much momentum going with the, going for them. So Bianca Belair. Um, Counters like a second Bailey to Bailey attempt from Bailey um, with a fruit roll up. Yes, we're having a fruit roll up finish on pay per view um, to win the match. Although this fruit roll up victory came with um, super long braided flavor. Yeah, Bianca Belair used her braid to assist in this fruit roll up victory. So I guess this is WWE's way to set up a rematch. Um, between the two at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. They're doing Hell in a Cell in June. They're doing it next month instead of October. Like, why? I, I don't understand why. Apparently, from what I heard, is that they're, they're planning to have fans back in July. So they thought it was a good idea to move Hell in a Cell four months early. That... I don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't understand. Let me know why they're moving Hell in a Cell um, in June from October. Um, from October, if they're having fans back in July for like Money in the Bank, and then if this is like a permanent thing, like this is like the actual return of fans, then wouldn't it make sense to keep Hell in a Cell in October? I don't get it. I really don't get it. I just find this as a way to devalue um, a really iconic match type even more. As if it wasn't already devalued even more. So, that was your SmackDown Women's title match. I really could care less. Um, there was nothing much to it. So now we have the WWE Championship match between Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, and Braun Strowman. Now, this was a match that I cared about. This was a match that at least you, the casual, wanted to see. Three muscular big men, three heavyweights, battling out in a hoss fight. 
a big all-out brawl between three big men. And that's exactly what we got Sunday night. While he was short, and it should stay that way, it was simple and effective. Not too fast, not too slow, but it was just well-paced and and simple, yet effective. So McIntyre and Lashley teamed up to take out Braun Strowman early on, and then they took him out with this very, like, powerful... Um, double vertical suplex, and then they went after each other because you know they're enemies. And I noticed McIntyre was like reluctant to like do that su- suplex spot with Lashley. He's like, "No, <laughs> you're my enemy." But it's like, do it, damn it, do it, pal. So much later in the match, McIntyre and Lashley were brawling, and Strowman actually dove onto Drew and Bobby. And from the angle that I saw it. It looked like Braun Strowman did a swanton bomb from the ring apron. He ran and did a swanton from the ring from the ring apron, and that was actually one of the very cool few cool things I've seen from him in, in forever. It was actually pretty cool. So we go back into the ring. All three men are fighting. Drew hits the zigzag onto Braun, and I'm like, "Damn, Drew! He's bringing out the full bag of of trickery." He does a better zigzag than Dolph Ziggler. Like, and that's Dolph's finishing move. Damn it. <laughs> so Bobby breaks up that pin attempt. And much later throughout the match, um, McIntyre sends uh, Lashley uh, through the stage. And that took him out of the, the matchup. So it was just Strowman and McIntyre brawling it out like big men. Um, and <laughs> like Bowser and King K. Rule battling out in smash bros ultimate they were fighting each other and trying to like get the upper hand on one another so mcintyre hits this weird looking uh, move on Strowman for a two count and then he tries to hit the claymore on the outside but Strowman reverses it and clutches mcintyre for a powerbomb through the announce table so that was pretty cool so eventually we get to the finish mcintyre Hits the Claymore on Braun Strowman. But out of nowhere, Lashley is like all healed up. He throws, he yeets McIntyre out of the ring. And he hits the spear on Braun Strowman. One, two, three. Retains the title. This was a good match. This was actually the only good match on the show. Because it never never felt like it dragged. It, it felt like you were engaged for, I think it was like, 10 or 8 minutes? I don't know. I don't remember. You had three heavyweights fighting it out for the top title in WWE, and they're showing all feats of strength to prove why they wanted it badly. And I like the finish, too. I really like the finish with Flashly smartly biding his time, and yes, he went through the stage, and even he could have been fully recovered um, about, like, I think it was, like, three or five minutes after <laughs> after McIntyre threw him through that um, LED panel. And instead of just going straight for the kill, he waited it out. He waited for the right opportunity. He was an opportunistic champion. And he swooped in, stole another chance for McIntyre to take the title, and he he got the victory. But unfortunately for said victory, for, for much said dominant victory, um... It got half wiped away because uh, the next night on Raw, 
he lost this open non-title challenge to Kofi Kingston. Yes, this same Kofi Kingston that WWE jobbed out to Brock Lesnar in the in Kofi Kingston's uh, losing WWE title match nearly two years ago and has done nothing but drive the New Day gimmick into the grounds of stupidity with Xavier Woods since then. And I understand. But the people that were expecting Brock Lesnar or John Cena in this open challenge spot, don't kid yourselves. Don't kid yourselves. WWE is saving them for fans. WWE is saving them for fans. If you think they're coming back for this Dumberdome bullshit, don't don't kid yourselves. Don't do not kid yourselves. They're not going through that empty arena experience again. So I honestly wouldn't have minded Kofi being in this spot if he lost. Like in some kind of fashion, not like the Brock Lesnar type fashion. Or in the very least, pick someone else. Pick someone else to be in the spot. Like where's Jeff Hardy? Or where's Keith Lee? Do they have really no one else? besides Kofi Kingston I mean I know people were pissed they were pissed about this I mean then again may amount to nothing next week on Raw but the fact still remains WWE still does this 50-50 bullshit and it's baffling like why do you have your WWE champion dominate on pay-per-view and then the next night he loses to a glorified jobber like why this doesn't make any sense at all. Then your main event of Backlash, you had the Universal Champion Roman Reigns defending his championship against, of all people, Cesaro. Yeah, in 2021, Cesaro is finally getting a world championship match. Uh, this is what we come to with uh, challenges for the head of the table. You, you, you're really hard-headed, WWE. You really are. How dare you disrespect the head of the table? Come on, man. So before the match, Jimmy Uso still trying to convince his brother Jay to get back on his side and not be Roman's, Roman's errand boy, but Jay wouldn't bite. And then right before um, Roman was about to make his entrance, Roman told Jay to stay behind um, because he didn't like Jay's uh, pre-match uh, voice. He didn't like the tone of it um, because he thought he was, you know, kind of like being his brother. He want he thought. You should go find him instead of being out there with Roman. So Roman decided to go alone this time. And he, he made the good choice. So we get the match. Cesaro gets a few uppercuts early um, before um, he takes a dive that injures his arm. Um, which became the focal point for the match. So Roman Reigns tries to get Cesaro to tap out to his injured arm on multiple occasions um, while taunting him. He puts him in an arm bar, but Cesaro um, breaks out of it. Cesaro hits a few uppercuts, but he uses an injured arm, which hurts it even more. Um, he tried to hit a neutralizer, but Roman countered it. So near the end, we're at the end. Roman locks in the guillotine twice. Um, Cesaro broke out of it both times, but Roman tried to you know, hit him as hard as he can so he can make... Um, Cesaro passed out on the third attempt of the guillotine, and he passed out. He did. So Roman Reigns retains the Universal Championship against Cesaro, and I don't know. I, I like I like Roman Reigns, but I was so bored um, with this match. I I was nearly put to sleep. Not even Roman Reigns 
or Pat McAfee's good ass commentary, which by the way was getting cut off at times um, that night for whatever reason. I noticed McAfee was kind of, um, you know, going off script as usual um, a bit, saying terms that he shouldn't be saying, um, or at least in Vince's mind that he shouldn't be saying, but you know, it's Pat McAfee. You can't control him. <laughs> you can't um, yell in his ear. Um, but anyway, not even those two could get me excited for this match. And you know why? Cesaro. Good athlete, good pure wrestler, but athleticism will only get you so far in in pro wrestling, in this sports entertainment world. He doesn't have anything to offer. He doesn't have anything to offer in the last decade. He has no character. He hasn't improved his character, no personality, and especially got off of Mike's skills. He should really take some lessons from Sami Zayn and Apollo Crews. Look at what those two have done. They've taken classes on how to improve the character, how to improve their promos, and look where they are now. So improved. I don't know what's so hard with Cesaro to do that. So the only reason why Cesaro even had this Universal Championship match was, well, one, there were no challengers left, and two, he, the WWE went with the notion of, well, Cesaro worked hard. That that was the basis of this match. Please. All the wrestlers that worked in WWE worked their asses hard to be even there in the first place. And yet, this is the basis of the storyline. This is actually the basis of all the promos in WWE. It's like, oh, I worked my ass off to be in, the, uh, to be in WWE, and yet I'm being treated like shit. That's pretty much... The basis of every uh, pipe bomb promo that happens on Talking Smack or Raw Talk nowadays. Pathetic. Really pathetic. <coughs> and after the match, um, Jay Uso came out to crown Roman as the tribal chief and attacked Cesaro afterwards before Seth Rollins came out. Um, who looked like he was going to have a stare down with Roman. Maybe saved Cesaro. But no, instead, um, Cesaro attacks um, no, no, it's not Cesaro. Seth Rollins attacks Cesaro and further injures his arm with the steel chair. So Seth Rollins ends backlash, standing tall over Cesaro. And yeah, that was backlash 2021, guys. Um, so I guess they're setting up towards Rollins versus Cesaro inside Hell in a Cell, and I just don't care. And why is Seth Rollins wearing stupid ass suits now ever since he came back? It's like, why what did um what did your marriage with becky lynch do man what did what did it do to you that made you decide to wear stupid ass suits every week i don't get it i really don't so that was backlash 2021 um overall really boring show really not worth three hours of your time i mean unless you want to see like really stupid um zombie shit um, but if you want to see zombie shit, I'd, I'd just rather go play, um, Black Ops Zombies or Black Ops 2 Zombies, um, or get your fill on that on YouTube or some shit. But other than that, really bad show. Really, really bad show. Really boring show. A lot of really long, boring matches. Except for the WWE title match. That was actually pretty good. So then we get to Monday Night Raw. Let's get into this Raw review, shall we? Um... So we start the night with this open challenge, uh, this 
um, celebration for Bobby Lashley, and then he decides to have an open challenge um, later in the night, and Drew McIntyre is opposed to this. He wants to accept the open challenge, but Bobby Lashley and MVP are like, no, you and Braun Strowman are ineligible because you lost. It has to be someone else. Um, but it's an open challenge, so apparently they're somewhat ineligible. There's like a loophole. So we already talked about this later um, earlier um, that later in the show, Kofi Kingston is the one that accepts the open challenge. He actually beats Bobby Lashley, and you already know how I feel. I'm just like, why? Why is this a thing? Um, earlier in the night, Kofi Kingston beat Randy Orton, and yeah, that was the thing. Then we had Sheamus beat Ricochet. Like I said before, nobody cared. Um, <coughs> then we had some uh, Seattle, more Seattle She-Hawk action. Um, now with um, women's tag titles that never had enough actual decent women um, flavor. As Natalia and Tamina beat Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax in a rematch from this uh, past Friday SmackDown. Um, after Alexa Bliss used her um, supernatural powers to distract Baszler. What are they doing to uh, Alexa Bliss? Um, what are they trying to do? I mean, they wrote off Bray Wyatt um, because apparently he's dealing with, with some mental health struggles. And totally understandable um, why Bray Wyatt's off TV. So I really hope that he's doing okay. I hope he's um, in a positive mindset right now. So I hope he's all right. But as for Alexa Bliss, like, what what what's the end game? Um what what are they trying to do with her like right now why, why are we having this slow burn after several months of it um like there's just been nothing there's been nothing since um she turned on bray wyatt at wrestlemania shouldn't she should they be developing on that follow-up at least there's been nothing since then nothing so then we had Angel Garza beat Drew Gulak in a rematch we've seen, I, I think, twice in the last three weeks. Only this time, instead of shoving up a rose up in Drew Gulak's ass, he shoves it up, up in his mouth. And I don't care. And, yeah, that was pretty much Monday Night Raw for you. Oh, yeah, AJ Styles defeated um, Elias in the opening match by disqualification after Jackson Riker interfered. So that was Monday Night Raw. There, I saved you three hours. That's why I did this Raw review. Um, because it was like, this sh This was technically your backlash pay-per-view. Rematch-er-mania. <laughs> Rematch-er-mania, um, because it was rematches from Backlash and rematches from previous Raws. That, that was the actual backlash instead of, you know, WrestleMania backlash. So, I saved you three hours of both a useless episode of Raw and a useless long-ass review by, you know, other reviewers. Because, honestly, it's just rinse and repeat of, you know, oh, this match happened in detail. This match, I, I need to tell you this match in detail and this storyline in detail. And rinse and rave about how terrible it is. It, it's pretty much all raw reviews are nowadays. It's, it's, it's gotten to that point. And technically, I saved you three hours of that. So overall, Backlash sucked. Um, boring as shit, and I get it. People have different tastes and standards, but with the cards and outcome and roads, we got to set outcomes. We this past Sunday, I really don't know how anyone could say this was good or decent. It was, it was boring. 
like, like, I was, like, falling asleep through a good portion of this. Actually, like, most of it. The only time I was fully awake was that WWE title match. And it, it was between three um, big men. And two of those big men were actually good big men. And three, two good heavyweights in Drew McIntyre and and Bobby Lashley. And I know Roman Reigns won, but... We, to the fact that Cesaro was even in that position in the first place is just like, why? Why? So, Backlash sucked, and Raw sucked, obviously, but no one should be wasting their time watching it and especially reviewing it. So, all in all, two shit shows in one, and it just looks like it's we're, we're heading towards in another bad or meh pay-per-view in Hell in a Cell in June. And looks like we're heading towards five matches like Rollins versus Cesaro are guaranteed for the cell Bailey versus Bianca in a title rematch um probably Rhea versus Charlotte Flair inside Hell in a Cell because they got to fulfill their agendas guys or we got to have at least one women's Hell in a Cell match um I don't know who Roman's gonna face at this point because he pretty much has no challengers left um unless you know they throw, throw some other jobber to him and I don't know. They might do this. I don't. Want, I really don't want this to happen. But they might do it. They're, they might rush this storyline between the Usos and Roman Reigns again. Like, please don't. They just brought Jimmy back into the fold. Don't rush it. Like, I know Jimmy's being a hardhead to, to, to the Tribal Chief, but don't rush it. And you'll probably see Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley inside the cell to uh, end their feud. Hopefully Bobby will retain so he, if Brock Lesnar returns we can finally get that match at SummerSlam. But all in all wrestling sucks um, as a whole and I don't know it's just very hard to get excited about most of these things including the crap that I just talked about with Backlash. Yeah. WrestleMania Backlash you guys. So that was your Backlash 2020 run review and your review of Monday Night Raw um, for May 17th, 2021. And that was your episode 24 of Very Cold Lasagna. And, well, I hope you got something out of it. <laughs> so next week, we're going to be going back into that very, very deep old icebox and taking a retro review look at 20 years. It's kind of like technically the 20th anniversary. I know everyone's saying um, March. I don't remember the date. March 2019, uh, no, not 1999, March 2001 was the start of the invasion, you know, WWF versus WCW and ECW, but no, May, May 28th, 2001 was the actual start of the storyline of WWF versus WCW and ECW, so we're going to be looking at that next week of in, on the next episode of Very Cold Lasagna, and to be honest, for someone that um, isn't like hasn't seen the invasion that much, like, and is still looking through it. I'm excited to talk about it. I'm really excited to discuss it with you guys. You know, as a casual like as a casual fan nowadays, and I'm really looking forward to hearing what you guys um, have to say um, in the comments on Twitter, social media. Um, I'm really looking forward to. Um, talking about this um invasion storyline 20 years later as most people would like to say it but that is 
it for this episode of Very Cold Lasagna. I am your host, Dylan Lasagna. Make sure to follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the show at Very Cold Lasagna. Make sure to listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor FM. And listen and watch the show on YouTube. Subscribe, turn on the notification bell so you'll be notified of each and every episode that comes out. And along with rants, extras, what have you, that are only seen on YouTube. So unlike this uh, shit show, keep the lasagna very cold and in the fridge with your takes on the world of sports and wrestling in general very cold. And until next time, peace out.